Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2018. My name is Amato, and with me are... Tori. And Dom. And we're here tonight, ready to not talk about Kirk Spock shipping. We don't normally announce it like that. We don't start most conversations with what we're not talking about. Maybe Uh, you don't. I I guess I could say that for every episode, right? Or most episodes. Yes. Except next episode. <laughs> we were going to do that Kirk Spock fanfic, but we've decided to quake, quake, take a quick break from it, or quake, quake a, a something first-person shooter. I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> do you want to take that again? <laughs> eh, whatever. We can roll with it. Roll the, with it. We'll the do point, it live. The point is, this episode is going to be released a little bit after Halloween, and in the Halloween spirit, we're going back to one of the episodes we lost the recorded files for before. That is, as Halloween-y as a crossover could get as long as it was not a crossover with the Halloween franchise of movies. <laughs> it is More Things in Heaven and Earth, which is a crossover between what? Gargoyles. Gargoyles? Oh. <laughs> and? Wait. Yeah, that's one of them. I know. Come on, you can do it. I believe in you. It had Blues Brothers. N- Close. No. Oh. They, they ain't afraid of no. Huh? Ghosts. Yes. Oh, I yeah. got it. Ghostbusters. <laughs> which Ghostbusters, though? Let's yes. be very specific. I wouldn't know. The real Ghostbusters. Oh, story. the real Ghostbusters. Yes. That's right. The Actually, cartoon show. Technically, right. in the intro, they, they say they uh, cross over both the stuff from the movies and the animated series. Yes, they, they technically kinda they do, do they, say that. But mostly they're saying that to say, I'm ignoring the stuff from the movies. Yeah, they basically are like, oh, yeah, I did see the second movie, or but I ignored it. Is That was ba- basically oh, the like introduction. throwing out the movie-only characters. Yeah. Also throwing out Slimer, for which I'm very thankful. Yeah, no, no one's yeah. going to be worse than that. Yeah, <laughs> they're just like, look, I'm not writing about Slimer. Let's just not Slimer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and I think that was the best decision this author could have made. I barely tolerated Slimer in the real Ghostbusters. I really don't want to hear someone writing out Slimer antics in text yeah. in a fanfic. Nobody Slimer, wants to see Slimer that. was a visual effect from the movie. Right. Yeah. That, that's the highlight of Slimer. Turned mm-hmm. into a mar- merchandisable mascot. Apparently. Yeah. Anyway. I don't know why, though, honestly. Like, where is the appeal in this ugly ghost that is rude? It's more of a Scooby Doo style mascot than a, like, cute, fuzzy one. It was a 90s uh, cartoon uh, animation attitude. Every uh, every era of cartoons is kind of a, a reaction to the one before it. Mm-hmm. So the one before the 80s, 90s were like the 60s, 70s Scooby-Doo stuff, which was nice and polite right. and proper. I so get it. 80s, 90s so stuff was rude and crude. It's a Ren and Stimpy Had attitude. Exactly. Yeah. And then the, which I never really liked, by the way, a Ren and Stimpy, like the gross-out humor never was my thing. I'm sorry. I don't know if I was a bad like bad at being a kid, but it's just not. <laughs> no, as a kid, it didn't appeal to me either. Which yeah. kind of means that this era of cartoons is in a direct opposition to that rude crude 90s attitude that is such a good point it's all about being like a good friend about being loving and being personable and it's great too because this era of cartooning you know we have cartoons that appeal to all genders and still uh, you know apply that like cuteness and politeness and everything i love that about Uh, contemporary cartoons last week tori and i did one of my um yearly rituals which is every october i like to watch a over the garden wall. Oh, yeah. Yeah, which is great to watch it all in one sitting, which uh, I think I've done before, but, you know, having it together like that, I really saw how well done the whole thing was. Yeah, it makes it it makes it makes a nice movie with 10-minute mm-hmm. breaks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've recommended it to a lot of people, and when I thought about the length, I was like, yeah, it's about a movie. You just sit down and watch it, yeah, you know? It's a, it's a short movie length. Yeah, originally I watched it when it was coming out, and it seemed so much longer, but it's actually just a movie. The, the time in between really gives you time to overthink things yeah Hmm. it's a very different experience watching it all together but yeah for our listeners who haven't seen over the garden wall and cartoons (laughs) high 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 recommendation recommend over or under gargoyles the animated series wait just gargoyles disney's gargoyles Uh, amato you're not gonna make me choose between (laughs) these are you Uh, they're they're not the same thing (laughs) so cruel well it'd be like comparing uh, apples and gargoyles you just couldn't do it (laughs) Comparing, like, Ninja Turtles and 
Ninja Turtles. There's no Usagi Yojimbo. Yes, well, Usagi Yojimbo. The ending. But Ninja Turtles are also pretty cool. At this point, there's enough different iterations of the Ninja Turtles cartoon where you can compare them to each other. Yeah, Usagi Yojimbo crosses over with practically all of them at one point or another. You gotta respect that crossover magic. I mean, nobody. Nobody in mainstream America remembers Usagi Yojimbo, but they keep bringing yeah. it back. Yeah, no, I like it. I, I like their dedication. <laughs> I think there is a Usagi Yojimbo reference in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in one of like the oh, comics and no, animation. In the original right? comics, in the original cartoon, yeah. in the next cartoon, in the next cartoon. They make maybe like, the direct references to the character. Oh, yeah, they, they cross over. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they both started in the same, um, I want to say, furry magazine, I think. I thought Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was released by itself originally. But like the creators, uh, knew yeah, each other. it was. Yeah, um, the original illustration work is really interesting. There's <laughs> some really thick, heavy brushwork. Um, it looks so coarse. Uh, I have one of the first issues back mm-hmm. at home. It's like I've got a copy of the first few issues too. But yeah, it's really interesting to think that like, kind of this like very like limited comic in terms of its original like iterance. Was became such a popular franchise. I just the characters were appealing, I guess. Well, speaking of popular franchises, let's check in a little bit about gargoyles and the real Ghostbusters, mm-hmm. or I guess giant. Okay, the Ghostbusters. You're right. it's, yeah. it's not. It's not completely it's the like real the Ghostbusters. The real IRA. Never uh, anyway, you two were both big gargoyles fans, right? Yep. Oh yes, heck yes. Ever since I was since I was a baby. Well, not <laughs> a literal. Maybe like five. When, when did it start coming out? Probably um, 90s. Second season was 96. Yeah. First okay. season would have been 95, So I, I would have been, like, seven. Yeah. So, yeah. Since the first started coming out. Yeah, I, I watched it on, on release, and then when I got to be uh, more of a technical grown-up, I did the grown-up thing and revisit a lot of my childhood mm-hmm. <laughs> cartoon mm-hmm. shows and watched them um, all the way through. And Gargoyles was one of the ones I got back into pretty heavily because it was good. <laughs> When yeah. you rewatched it, you lent me that first season box set, and I watched, I, I think, all of it, if not most of it. But I understand some of those shows where, like, the first season's good, and then it gets a lot better than the first season. Oh, yeah, the second yeah. season. <laughs> you get the whole Avalon stuff, the whole when they're traveling on the, on the canoe. Well, the first seasons are notoriously episodic. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we spoke about this before, but it's definitely that having to lure the audience in where they can start in any episode. And then once everybody's hooked for that first season, then they can start a really big plot arc and draw, you know, yeah. keep people interested. I certainly didn't come out of the first season saying, like, oh, yeah, the pack are going to be a big deal going mm-hmm. onward. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't. <laughs> also, I think that's a big thing they do in a first season of an, a show, too, is give a lot of material to, yeah, like, yeah. kind of test the audience. Yeah. See where they want to go. Throw some spaghetti at the wall. Yeah. yeah. See what sticks. <laughs> And speaking of things sticking, except that Slimer is not in this, the Ghostbusters, this is, of course, the popular Ghostbusters, the cartoon, um, the author is going at least mostly off of the cartoon, given some, like, extremely geeky timing shenanigans they go into, where, like, they, they talk very specifically about when they wrote this, which is in the middle of the airing of Gargoyles, like, mm-hmm. middle of May 96. It's supposed to be set after the turf, which is May 6, 1996. And it crosses over with the Ghostbusters. And because the Ghostbusters cartoon ended in 91, it's like in this fanfic, it's five years later in the continuity of Ghostbusters from the end of the cartoon. That's right. And it's that kind of like super nerdy attention to detail of continuity things that makes me smile because they could so easily have just said, oh yeah, uh, those two cartoons are happening at the same time, the end. And no one would have batted an eye, but you know... They had to satisfy the geekery in their soul. Well, it works so well, too, because it makes the gargoyles aware of the Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Like, they've seen their ads and their signs and stuff, and it makes them, like, able to exist in the same universe in a way that doesn't interfere with the continuity of either show. Yeah, yeah. You know? So, I, I think that's great. Works well. As for Ghostbusters themselves... um, I'm not sure any of us are super familiar with the source material. Like, I've seen Ghostbusters. I'm familiar with the first movie. Yeah, and I... I think I saw the first movie. And I've read a lot of the current run of comics, mm. which is very good. And I caught um, Extreme Ghostbusters when it aired. Yeah. Which I think might be a continuation of the it's uh, a real, continuation Ghostbusters. Of real Ghostbusters. Oh. I had no idea that was the thing. Yeah, I never um, got into Ghostbusters uh, much. It wasn't really my thing. I watched the episode where they fight Cthulhu in college because I was like, hey, that they exists. Fight Cthulhu? I'll watch it. Sure they do. Okay. 
the episode called Collect Call of Cthulhu, obviously. Well, obviously. <laughs> gosh. And you know uh, I know nothing about Ghostbusters, right, Amata? All right, anyway. Yeah, they blow I, I'm gonna, I mean, I'm starting to learn. Honestly, it's truer to Lovecraft than most depictions of Cthulhu, where it's just, I ah, just run him in, run a ship into him, and, like, he'll go back to sleep yeah. for a while. He's very cute with his little tentacles. <laughs> and uh, uh, another note about the Gargoyles continuity. Mm-hmm. Um, it takes place between Turf and Reckoning, which is about two episodes before Hunter's Moon, which is the, the end of season two. Right. Okay. Which is where, where they crash the uh, airship into the bell tower, the clock tower. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's meaningless to me. But <laughs> I understand the author had seen some stuff. This fanfic revolves around, as you might expect from a Ghostbusters Gargoyles crossover, Hakon. Hakon. the ghost Viking. Our favorite Viking voiced by Clancy Brown. Yes. yes. I don't have any... Vikings voiced by Clancy Brown that I like more. <laughs> Definitely. Personally, I completely agree with that sentiment. Anyway, uh, the author had apparently seen, like, I guess in Hunter's Moon or a little bit later, Hakon comes back, but, like, they're mm-hmm. they're they're just like, eh, ignoring that. I kind of wrote this before that happened. Hakon mm-hmm. comes back to possess one of his uh, descendants, Wolf, who's one of the characters in The Pack. Yes. Haha. <laughs> Wolf. Pack, I see what you did there. I didn't do it. They did it. <laughs> Pretty obviously. <laughs> yeah, I was I was speaking the um the royal you. I'm royal. No. Yes. Oh. They are. That explains so much. <laughs> oh yeah, the creators of, right. of gargoyles. We can make them royalty for sure. Uh, let's dump in. Let's dump into the fanfic. Let's jump into the fanfic itself. Yeah, and, let's dump into this. Uh, I don't know. I'm having a lot of weird <laughs> vocal issues right now. Please. Amato, I can't take much more. I'm going <laughs> to crack. Let's slide gently into the fanfic. <laughs> no. Worse that is now. so much worse. Do you need some lubrication for that? Like, uh, Let's begin talking about the fanfic. Well, Do you just, need some lubrication just for that? Amato. You can't. You're getting up some flavor. you got to... Yeah, romances a little bit. This fanfic <laughs> is called More Things in Heaven and Earth. It's a Shakespeare reference by mm. Constance Cochran. Uh, we've got a shortened link to it on bit.ly slash rfrheaven. And we already talked about what it is. It's a crossover. It's a Ghostbusters Gargoyles crossover. Now, well, bef- uh, before, we, before we all started reading this, do we have any expectations for a crossover? Like, None uh, whatsoever. No. Except that it might be bad. Very bad. I mean, I thought it would be good, as I think for all fanfics that I choose. I wouldn't choose them if I didn't think they might be good. Yeah, I mean, how obviously you how, think how, how'd that. How'd you pick this one? Uh, it was a recommendation on, um, I think, the Gargoyles fanfic recommendations section of TV Tropes. Okay, interesting. And I, I found the old Gargoyles like fanfiction you know, website that the fandom used back in the day, but it's mm-hmm. kind of unnavigatable. Like, individual chapters are their own fanfics, and, like, there's no mm. good way to sort through them, and I just kind of gave up. Yeah. Like, you can look at the top-picked ones, but, like, mm. it's not clear whether they're part of a series. It's... Eh. Anyway, mm. so I looked for other avenues, and I was like, okay, Ghostbusters and Gargoyles, I want to see what they did there. Now, I'm not super familiar with Gargoyles um, mm. as things go. Like I said, I saw the first half of the first season a long time ago, so I just want to check in that I have all of the street name characters, right? Sure, sure. I, okay. If you're wrong, Go we can just it. shout angrily at you. Okay. Mm-hmm. So Hudson taught them to be fighting teams. Mm-hmm. Goliath leads. Mm-hmm. Lexington does machines. Uh-huh. Brooklyn is cool but rude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Broadway is a party dude. Is that about right? Does Broadway uh, party? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess, you know, if that's your last categorization, then I guess I must fit. And Bronx is a dog for some reason. <laughs> Bronx is my favorite dog. Doesn't quite fit the, the meter, but... No. <laughs> uh, and also there's Angela, apparently, but I never saw season two, so I, I was like, oh, yeah. okay, there's Angela another character is here. Goliath's daughter. It's complicated. I liked Angela as a character, although I can't really remember why now that I'm thinking about it. it you know, I had the same issue. I was like, oh, right, Angela, she exists. She's all right. I, Angela is a nice... Like, Person. Nice person. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not an interesting I, character, but I think probably not an interesting character. Though I mean yeah, to well, be fair, Bronx. I Yes. How <laughs> dare Bronx is the most interesting character. 
but anyway. I mean, it's a like a dog version of the same species or something. Yeah. Like, then what the fuck is it? Raises <laughs> well, like, a lot of questions. Like, yes. Like, is it like? Are a, there gargoyle like every possible iteration of Earth animals? Are there also gargoyle versions? Or gargoyle like, pigeon? Or is it like yeah. an elephant man version of a gargoyle? <laughs> That's entirely possible. Maybe <laughs> Bronx is just an ordinary gargoyle who one day woke up and decided that he would rather speak through barking yeah. and jump around and lick people. Living that their true self. a perfectly reasonable decision from my perspective. And then all of them are just totally cool with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, why not? Yeah. Because they're very accepting. Because well, they're, they're very clannish. So. Right, right. Yeah. Bronx is one of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So in the fanfic, mm-hmm. we basically open with Hakan breaking free from, like, the area where his spirit was bound, which yeah. is, like, Stonehenge or something? No, it was a cave which he got caught in with the Magus. It, it was a thing. Okay, it's I was like, Stony England cage. something something. It's yeah. just a magic cave, basically. Right. Well, it's not, it's magic because it contains him, but... Yeah. The, the, the Magus did something, they they came back and there was an episode where the ghost of Hakan tried to do something and the ghost of the Magus... Yeah. I cannot switch between Magus and Magus, mostly, I think, to make myself upset. <laughs> I don't really know what the correct pronunciation is, so... Uh, anyway, Hakan is like, hey, I can absorb some of that, like, spare, like, Magic magical Magus. energy around and use it to slip free. And he does. And he's like, I, I can all go take some revenge. Yeah. We switch over to New York, and we kind of check in with the Ghostbusters. Um, despite the time gap, they've just kind of continued Ghostbusting. They haven't really expanded their operations too much, it seems. Except that they upgraded the... uh, Is that what you were going to say? Yeah, I was going to say... Well, I mean, you can say it. They promoted their receptionist. Yeah. And, you know, in canon, I feel like she's had enough times where she's needed to strap on a proton pack that they're just like, look, Janine's moving over to full-time ghost busting. We need to find a new secretary. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. it felt very They're moving with the times. They're letting a woman do something. I was actually (laughs) convinced that I I had seen that in the show somewhere before. Yeah. (laughs) When I was reading it. Uh, In in the comic, she ends up doing a lot more ghost busting, the, the more recent comic. Um, and a, and she and Egon because... are an item, which is also just right. totally in the text, like, that was going to happen. Um, they have not... There's no mention of them putting franchises all over the world like they do in the Ghostbusters RPG mm-hmm. or anything like that. But anyway, they're, they're busting ghosts still. And our main first action comes in with Brooklyn and Angela kind of cruising around. Yeah. They get to Batman a robbery. Um... Mm-hmm. You know, swoop back in and be mm-hmm. like, hey, we're gargoyles, stop that. And there's a sweet moment there, too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, talk about it. Well, they, they save the people, and that um, they're used to people freaking out and running away from them, but the people actually turn around, and they're still shaken and frightened, but they say thank you, and I think like it really touches Angela. Angela in particular, yeah. Yeah, in particular, because she you know, came to the city not that long ago... Um, has only recently kind of gotten used to people yelling in fright when they see her, and it's affected her a lot. So to hear this gratitude is, like, especially important to her. I think it's a nice perspective on the character to give her that moment. Because, like, Angela was raised in this more safe environment of right. Avalon where everyone was a weird right. magic thing. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. So she had to really adapt to people being freaked out by her, which I think, you know, it speaks a lot to your self-esteem when people run and scream in fear when they see you. Like, it's hard. Yeah. To feel like a hot, sexy young gargoyle when that's happening. But anyway, you know, the, the author oh, gives her I a feel like a hot, sexy young gargoyle all the time. I, mean, <laughs> I, I feel like you're just taking a page right out of my diary. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. Hakan shows up and is kind of like, ah, I'm, I'm Hakan, I'm here to threaten you. Well, um, I wouldn't mind like, reading that one passage. Oh yeah, go for it. Go back up. As Angela took another step, she heard a voice behind her. Wait, please. Angela turned, her dark hair falling over one shoulder. The young man and the young woman stood in the middle of the alley, looking at her. The young man put his arm around the young woman's shoulders. Thank you. Soon after her arrival in New York, Angela had gotten used to the cries of monsters, the look of terror that they received from even the humans they protected. It had been hard to take at first, after the Magus and Catherine and the Guardians and Eliza. You're welcome, Angela said, simply, her face softening. Then with a flick of the tail and wing, she was gone, leaving two humans who would never look at the world in quite the same way again. Ah, so she changed their perspective. Yeah. Very cool. It was nice. I thought that was very nice, like, 
Great Gatsby-ish type moment in, in the story. Yeah, it was. And it was. A lot of this fanfic feels very um, straightforward in that they're trying to tell a kind of action crossover story, and they mm -hmm. do. And But that was one moment where they kind of let themselves breathe and have a character moment that, like, isn't super, like, necessary to the flow of the story, but, like... Yeah. It makes sense for all things involved. It was nice to have a character moment for Angela, since, as we've all spoken about, it doesn't seem like she gets very many of those in the series. It's certainly the last one she gets in this fanfic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's true, too. But you can't blame the author. They're reading from the source. Yeah. <laughs> they and so, escape for that. So then Hakan shows up, and I was categorizing Brooklyn as cool but rude, but I might have mm. to rethink that cool, because Brooklyn is immediately mm. like, Ah, Hakan, I'm gonna kill you! Even though you're a ghost and, like, throws himself into a brick wall through an incorporeal ghost. I may be paraphrasing, but that's pretty much <laughs> that's what happens. basically what happens. Uh, I think, you know, that does strike me as in character for, like, the fact that Hakon is... Hakon. I don't, the I don't know how to, I don't know how to pronounce. <laughs> Hakon. I think we're saying Hakon. Hakon. It's been a while since I've watched the cartoon, so I'm, I pick what you like, I think. Okay. <laughs> It was just like, I think that was my natural, like, Spanish coming out. So yeah, yeah. I was like, another language. Um, I'm not even sure how Khan's like on, a Viking name, exactly. I I don't know if it is. I guess we should look that up. It doesn't seem especially dramatic. But yeah, the fact that he's done so many horrible things to the Gargoyles and Goliath in particular in the past, I think there's, like, a visceral reaction they have to him. He's an enemy of their species, so oh, yeah. I get that. Um, I think even if, you know, Brooklyn's cool seeing an enemy of your species it's like seeing a nazi in real life and on the street you're like i am raged well i kind of was so. personally personally responsible for killing their entire family right yes yeah yeah so so understanding <laughs> yeah and we should talk about hakan's power set a little bit here because hakan is like in this fanfic, what you would get if you were playing some sort of, like, I don't know, let's say Wraith, some kind of ghost RPG, mm -hmm. and you were just min-maxing your character optimally. Because Hakan's ghost powers are teleport mm -hmm. at will, uh, he's a ghost, mm -hmm. and his sword can be physical whenever he wants. Yeah, at, at will. At will. Yeah. With, like, no, no restrictions. Which just means there's nothing anybody can do to him. Yeah. Like, gargoyles-wise, at the very least. And That's so he, he hangs out long enough to demonstrate that, that he's just like this completely min-maxed, twinked-out ghost and like, I, I could, I could murder like you, but go... Out? Yeah, that, that, that's a that's a RPG term. Yeah, it is. Oh. Also, he's okay. extremely yeah, muscular. Take something... Yeah, see, that doesn't sound like a twink to me. Anyway. <laughs> well, like, you know, in World of Warcraft, you had your twink characters for that was PvP I, level 19. You're blowing my mind right now. It's, uh -huh. it's true. So I know I know some twink characters, but they're not <laughs> World of Warcraft, let me tell you. Anyway, he, he kind of demonstrates that, like, hey, I could probably murder you, but go tell Goliath that I'm coming. And, you yeah. know, they do. So he's basically like a ghost Nazi. Well, he, he pulls a Megatron. Yeah. Like, I could kill you, but I want to torture you instead. Exactly. And I forget exactly the blow-by-blow, blow, but... Like, uh, let's follow up with the Gargoyles thread. Like, everyone's waiting for Angela and Brooklyn to get back before the sun goes down and it's kind of late. Uh, before that, uh, Hakan shows up in uh, Eliza's apartment. Oh, he shows up in Eliza's apartment. Yeah. For what? Uh, to scare the shit out of her. Okay, well, <laughs> mission accomplished, right? Yeah. Pretty much. Um, and somewhere in there, the Ghostbusters get called on him. But let's follow up on the, the Gargoyles thread first, I think. Um, in that people reconvene, like, and, you know, check in about the threat of Hakon. Yeah, at first Eliza wasn't going to tell them at all, because there's nothing they can do about it. Mm -hmm. Th then the other two cargoes came back and told them about the encounter, so then they went out, th then they decided to go out as a, as a clan and find the ghost. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I guess that's what's going on. Yeah. Not, it's not mm -hmm. daytime yet, never mind. No, they can't do too much in the daytime. Right. <laughs> <laughs> And Hakan has al was also just, like, scaring some civilians because, you know, needed to when, when he arrived in New York or whatever. And someone calls the Ghostbusters on a ghost sighting. Yeah. And the Ghostbusters, mm -hmm. the five of them now, go, you know, they go investigate. There's some good banter. The, the characters are usually pretty much in character around this fanfic. But, like, mm -hmm. nothing too significant happens. They find Hakan. Hakan. Mm -hmm. Hakan. 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 Haken. 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 <laughs> they find they find Haken. Um, 
you know, in some spooky building. They try to bust him. He he recognizes, like, hey, there's some weird-ass wizards shooting, like, bizarre magical energy at me. I'm going to teleport away. And yeah, yeah he calls them, like, energy. with sorcerers. Sorcerers, yeah. Yeah. And they're like, oh, that ghost got away. And also it was a high PK. I forget how they categorize it, but, you know, a strong yeah. ghost. So we got to keep an eye out for that. And I'm, I'm sorry for saying that Hakan wasn't a, a didn't seem like a Viking name. Mm-hmm. Turns out there's there's the historical person Hakan the Good, Ooh. which was yeah. a, a king of Norway from 934 to 961, which I think might be who this character is based off. I think it's the same time frame. How good could he have been with all that gargoyle murder? Yeah, I did actually look up the name pronunciation and found out that it was. Uh, I failed to mention this earlier because I forgot, but I did actually look up the name pronunciation. Found out that it was like a. I don't know, Viking name, some sort of, you know, Scandinavian okay. name and origin. Yeah, but you don't remember the it pronunciation. It's, it's still a common... I da- do not remember the pronunciation. <laughs> it seems like it's still a common Danish and, and Norwegian name. Mm-hmm. There's a... I see an A with a little circle above it. I thought it was Hakon, but I could be wrong. That's okay. Let's just keep saying okay, whatever the heck we want. Yeah, why not? America. <laughs> <laughs> Hakon ends up... Uh, appearing, I'm, I'm kind of skipping over a lot of small little things, right? Well, he gets um, almost busted, and then uh, instead of getting busted, he decides to disappear instead. Yes, because he has teleport without error at will. Yeah, mm. which which scares the Ghostbusters, because that's not good. No. Uh, it usually isn't. Yeah. Um, but they also decide, since he teleported and disappeared, there's nothing they can do, so they go back to sleep. Yep, they just wait for another call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and Hakan eventually appears before the gargoyles, and, you know, taunts Goliath directly, and is like, Hey, Goliath, if you come with me, then, like, I'll just murder you or whatever and leave the rest of your people alone. And Goliath being Goliath is like, I should think about that. That That's, sounds seriously <laughs> like a good idea. That's actually the falling action. Is that the falling action? That is. Of the, of the fanfic? Yes. Oh, he's just threatening them at this point? Yeah, he's like, I'm, I'm just trying to kill them at this point. Mm-hmm. It's been a little while since I read this. Okay, so he appears in front of the gargoyles eventually, and there's a big fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they fight in midair and like Hakan lead, lead them around by the nose. It's Wait. a very boring fight because there is literally nothing they can do to him. Do we? Oh no, yes, yeah. that's right. Once we get the main um, fight going on, and in this fight, did we mentioned the part before where they the Ghostbusters get the call. Have we gotten to that point? Well, I think the main call is happening right now with the big yeah. fight in midair. The the call that you wanted to mention. Yes. Yeah. So All right. So there's a big midair fight going on between the gargoyles and Hakan. People can see it because yes. like it's happening right over there. And even though it's not too interesting for us as a reader, it's a little bit more concerning as a New Yorker looking out of your mm-hmm. uh, apartment window or whatever. And here's the scene you want to talk interesting about. Interesting visualization. Yeah, so there's just a random scene where you're like, a person gets up mm-hmm. from their bed, goes, I don't know, looks outside, sees this. You get all of this detail from this person's perspective. And then it's like, oh, there's a ghost. And then they call the Ghostbusters, which is really interesting because you kind of wonder why you're getting all this perspective. And then, um, what was it that we ended up thinking about who this character was? This nameless character is complaining about, like, having all this, like, gargoyle weird shit having yes, happened before. Yes. And, and it's finally like, oh, finally, like, someone needs to do something about it, and I'll call that, you know, advertisement that's always in the papers. Mm-hmm. And so Dom's theory is that this nameless character who calls the Ghostbusters is supposed to be the Cabbage Man from Avatar The Last Airbender. <laughs> very close, Amato. Yeah, the, not very right? close. <laughs> the, the same sort of character. It was, um... <laughs> When, within the first or second episode, depending on how you count the two-parter, mm-hmm. like what the, one of the first things the gargoyles do is break into like a research facility, and then in order to do that, they kind of screw over a security guard. Like they don't kill him or something, but they break in behind his back, and like he gets fired. And it's sort of a running theme throughout the show that like the security guard that always gets fired because of the gargoyles' action is the same guy. Uh-huh. And in I think the Hunter's Moon episode, or like the one of the episodes coming soon after that. He, the, the it, it, follow, it follows him, and he's angry, and he like has like a like a high tech military weapon. He's like, "I'm gonna get you!" And like at the end of the episode, he corners uh, uh, Goliath with his bazooka. It's like, okay, overkill, but like uh, gargles. I think that makes sense. <laughs> so then he shoots the bazooka, at it and it's a pie in the face, and that's it. <laughs> then he just drops his gun, saying, "I'm like." just completely satisfied and just walks away. <laughs> it's pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. So it may be supposed to be that same character. I think it is. It, yeah. it seems like it in many ways because they place, the author places a lot of significance on this character's like nighttime routine and <laughs> being awakened and how that affects 
him personally. I thought that was really funny because I thought, who is this character like that, that they're introducing now? Like, this person must be so relevant to the plot and it doesn't appear again. Nope, I think it follows that trope very much that you use like a pl- special significance placed on a side character that you think will have more of a role. Yeah. Chris Claremont did that a lot in his Uncanny X-Men run that I'm a fan mm-hmm. of, but it almost always ended with that person dying. Yeah, well, that sounds like Chris Claremont. Doesn't sound it uncanny is. to me, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, those aren't the X-Men, Dom. Oh, okay. Yeah, those were just the uncanny civilians. Do we want to know how to pronounce Hecon? <laughs> nope, I, at this point I actively don't want to know. I'm interested. Are you sure? <laughs> Hang on, let's see if I can do it. Um, um, what? Hmm. One, one more time? Hakon. 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 Interesting. Hakon? Yeah, I'm not going to be saying uh, that. I'm sorry. No, me neither. I think it's one of the Scandinavian, the shot. Uh, Scandinavian vowels that we don't have. Hakon? Anyway, the Ghostbusters show up in the middle of this mid-air fight, and, you know, they're aiming with their proton packs down from the street towards mm-hmm. Hakon, who's, like, the clearly, like, the big deal here with all the, like, psychic energy. Well, being the emitted. Ghostbusters get there and they're like, hey, it's a ghost and a whole bunch of monsters. We, we gotta bust all of these. Right, right. I, I mean, they're trying to focus on Hakon, but they're also trying to, like, take out yeah, everyone else in, in midair. Because all clearly they're a bunch of, like, yeah, ghosts like, or monsters, and in Ghostbusters it's the same thing. It's they're just all very just, like, predictable. Like, right, yeah. Things that are supernatural creatures. Right, they're exactly. Like, these, what, seven apparitions in the sky, I think it ends up being. Yeah, they clip Goliath in the process mm-hmm. of of this. Yeah. And um, Goliath's pretty much okay, but uh, Eliza, Detective Maza, who is like, you know, on a nearby rooftop, is very upset about this and goes down to confront is the Ghostbusters. Elisa. Elisa? They're Eliza? His- Hispanic, I think. Cyber. I can't remember. I thought it was Elisa. Elisa. Hmm. I couldn't remember. I'll, I'll just call her anyway. Maza then, Detective Maza. Detective Maza. She goes down and in this fanfic, it's been kind of established that the NYPD is not a big fan of the Ghostbusters. Like, they're around doing their thing, usually causing big disruptions. I mean, if they, if the, if Gotham police doesn't like Batman, then no way the NYPD is going to like Ghostbusters. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, Batman cleans up his messes way better than the Ghostbusters Definitely. do. <laughs> I mean, they, they, they talk about the events of uh, the first Ghostbusters movie with the giant marshmallow creature. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that, that cleanup had to be sticky. Nothing <laughs> else. And so they're kind of, like, viewed as disruptive... Uh, grandstanders, you know, going for publicity and stuff. And so Maza doesn't feel bad going down mm-hmm. and pulling a badge on them and saying, like, you know, put down your extremely dangerous nuclear weapons. Yeah, and they're also a, a little bit upset about not being able to do anything during the midair mm-hmm. ghost fight either. <laughs> but they kind of manage to talk it out, and the Ghostbusters convince her that, like, oh, okay, okay, yeah. but, like, those things over there are not ghosts. Like, we get it. That That one is a ghost. You're that, gonna kind of need us for this. We we bust those. I don't know if you've read or know anything about us. We we bust those. <laughs> right. And Detective Maza grudgingly admits the wisdom of this. Yes. And so they kind of manage to drive off Hakon again. Um, and then there's sort of this like tense negotiations between them about like how much they're going to be telling them about the gargoyles and then how much they're going to be like letting each other in on what they're doing. Um, I mean, well, obviously the Ghostbusters are more being, being mostly scientists who are very interested in this kind of thing. They're just like, oh yeah, like we want to help. Tell us everything. Mm-hmm. But the gargoyles, for some reason, do not trust humans all that much. <laughs> generally speaking. <laughs> who knows why? Yeah. While being tracked down by the ghost of the human that killed their entire family when they were right. escaping. <laughs> being reminded of that <laughs> immediately. Yeah. I just want to give a quick side note mm-hmm. on the topic of Elisa's name because mm-hmm. I actually think this is really cool um, Wikipedia says Elisa had originally been designated as a Hispanic woman with the surname of Chavez okay. when Sally Richardson was cast as Elisa's voice actor the character's race and ethnicity was adapted to match hers Elisa became half African American and half Native American oh, that was right. and yeah. the less surname Maza is the Sioux word for iron Oh, neat. so anyway I just thought that was a really neat detail and uh, it's really cool for a show in the early 90s to, like, yeah. have a half-native, half-black character, so... I remember they talked dope. about that in the show. Lead character, yeah. too. That was cool Isn't stuff. Isn't that kind of like, you know, it's, on one hand, it's the least they can do, and on the other hand, it's <laughs> like, well, that's kind of really progressive for the time. Well, and so. also, that character was fucking badass, too. <laughs> <laughs> 
She was bomb. I had the hugest crush on her. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, like, the, seriously. I mean, the Gargoyles yeah. Halloween episode where she dresses up as Belle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, she was almost like, this. she's the character you want to be, but, like, for me, she was too cool to even want to be her. So yeah, I just yeah. had to, like, <laughs> admire her from afar. She needs a kid's like, sidekick, clearly. Maybe a Halloween costume or something. No, she uses too, too many guns to have a kid's sidekick. <laughs> <laughs> and they make a specific point about gun safety in the show too I, I saw that episode yeah. in season one yeah. yeah the only thing that's not cool about her is she's a cop <laughs> but Aww. you know it's in one of those kids shows where cops are good guys I guess so you have to roll with it strong cop feelings here yeah <laughs> uh, yeah I do have strong cop feelings but anyway, well, moving on yeah so there's kind of, um, there's the, eventually, the introduction scene between the two groups of cast members. And you run into one of the issues with this fanfic, which is that there's a lot of characters. They do a pretty good job managing them, or, like, keeping everybody in character. But you know, like, they hit all the, they hit all the, the character beats you would 100% expect. So, like, Lexington is like, hey, what are those super cool, like, machines you have? Yeah. And is the one most excited about interacting with mm-hmm. these people. And that has, like, big... A conversation with, with the other the geek character in Ghostbusters. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then there, it's funny because, like, Elisa has to reassure the Ghostbusters nerd that it's okay to let Lexington touch the equipment. Right. And he knows more about computers than her. As mm-hmm. he's kind of condescending, it's like... Egon, by the way, is the Ghostbusters Egon. nerve. Yes. Uh, n- nerve. Apologies. The Ghostbusters nerd. <laughs> Nervy nerd. Peter tries to hit on Maza, as is inevitable. Um, you know, all those, like, obvious character beats that happen. And in the end, what do they kind of come to an agreement about? Mm. Um, well, then the sun rises. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, their hand is kind of forced. They end up letting the Ghostbusters keep watch over them, um, which is, you know, kind of a big trust deal. Hyakon is (laughs) at at large, and they can't really risk it. They and need people to protect them while I, they're sleeping because they're stoned and they can't do anything. Yeah, and these sleeping. these are the people who have the anti-ghost, you know, machinery. Yeah, and it seems to be effective, so they, they must trust them. And you get a moment from Hakone's perspective where he's like, uh, after this attacking them straight on not working, I kind of do just want to smash them while they're stoned, mm-hmm. but I kind of can't now because of those sorcerers that are, like, right. taking up... so you really... Yeah. Taking up guard around them. So you really see the Ghostbusters being there was important. And so there's so. a bit of a tense moment during the day because you, you have a few ghost, Ghostbusters at a time watching and Detective Maz is still there watching the Ghostbusters, watching them. Mm-hmm. Yes, Detective Maz apparently has no detective work that needs doing uh, for the course of this fanfic. You know, it's, it's so interesting because it seems like it's the case in the show too. Like, when does she ever get on a case that isn't related to something around the Gargoyles? Or, or what is, uh, when do they ever sleep? Yeah, that too. Because they work full shift during the day, then they do yeah. full Ghostbusters, hi- Ghostbusters, Gargoyles hijinks at night. <laughs> That's actually a really good point. Like, there's an implication that, like, Elisa all day long does her detective work and then mm. all night long is with the Gargoyles. Right, because like, they can't do it while they're on duty. So yeah. all this stuff happens off duty. Man, that's nutty. Oh, okay. So maybe... Big twist here, going to blow your mind. Uh-huh. Detective Maze is Puck. <laughs> Wait a Explains second. everything. Ooh. Can we already have a... Like, <laughs> all right, whatever. <laughs> no, there's a... Yeah. A, a lot of the cast of A Midsummer's Night Dream is accounted for. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wasn't there a Robin Goodfellow reference in this fic? Yeah, probably. I believe it was in this fic that there was indeed that reference made. Unfortunately, my memory is a little fuzzy. I'll take a look. Uh, anyway, yeah, Hakan yeah. moves to plan B, uh, more like plan C, after, like, terrorizing slowly dismantle the gargoyles didn't work, and then, mm-hmm. okay, just smash them is not on the table. Plan C <laughs> is now, okay, let me raise an army of ghosts to occupy the Ghostbusters while I take my right. revenge. And since New York is apparently some infinite well of angry ghosts that never mm-hmm. run out, no matter how many years you keep busting them. Which makes sense. I mean, yeah. if, if ghosts are, like, psychic energy of human trauma, mm-hmm. then a large mm-hmm. large population in close proximity to each other over any number of hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, It doesn't not make sense, but it makes me concerned about everywhere else in the world that does not have Ghostbusters. <laughs> mm. yeah, like, trauma is also not unique to New York. Yeah. Unique New York. Unique yeah. New York. Unique New York. <laughs> New York. 
See, I can't even say it. Yeah, England must just be just one huge psychic phenomenon constantly the whole oh, time. Yeah. Well, maybe it is. <laughs> um, and so, what happens in between here and kind of the the climax of the fanfic? That's pretty much it. The it's yeah. the day, and yeah. there's some interactions between the uh, non gargoyle gargoyle people and the mm-hmm. Ghostbusters and Hakan gathering up their, their ghost army. And so Hakan attacks right. with a ghost army. As, when the sun sets. When the sun sets, because he needs to see the fear in their eyes or whatever. Oh, yeah. Um, There's the other thing where the gargoyles um, really start to trust the Ghostbusters when they realize that they watched them all day while they were asleep. Yeah. That was a big important And in the Ghostbusters show and universe, that's a good sign to get, a, get gargoyles on your side. Yes. Well, anyone who tells me that they watched me all night while I slept, I just trust them, you know, completely. <laughs> Implicitly, yeah. yeah. You kind of have to. <laughs> Uh, so we build into this last confrontation, and here's where Hakan shows up and is just like, "Hey, Goliath! Like, all I really want is you." Um, here, <laughs> all I want is you. <laughs> there you go. Oh yeah, it, never mind. There's some gargoyles, uh, Ghostbusters talk where like they're kind of trying to work out that it seems like Hakan's trying to drain Goliath's life force, um, or it seems like Hakan's trying to pull Goliath into the spirit world. He was trying to do that before in the earlier fight, mm-hmm. yeah. and their theory is just that. If he does that, then Goliath's pretty much at his mercy because Goliath will be someone in the spirit world and Hakan will be an angry thousand-year-old ghost who has had lots of time to develop yes. his ghost prowess. <laughs> um, thousand years? How long? Um, uh, they they woke in like the late years. 90s. 1990s. It's like a thousand years. And uh, I think the event took place at like 1000-something. Uh, around the time of 1066. Okay, so yeah, like, yeah. about a thousand years old. Well, but if he was a Viking, then it would have been probably before the Norman invasion. Yeah. Just saying. Well, it could be contemporary or post also. Yeah. There were still yeah. Vikings up in, up Good in point. Scotland, which I think where they were based. Hmm. Okay. That's a possibility. Considering the old guy, with the, old gargoyle with the sword was vaguely Scottish. Yes. That's true. There is a Scottish gargoyle, so... Anyway. And uh, Macbeth is a main character in the show. Yes, I yes, think, I think that's Scotland makes point. sense. Yeah. <laughs> but I think uh, Shakespeare specified Macbeth's time frame to be before the Norman invasions. Did they specify that Macbeth was a modern-day techno bounty hunter? Yes, Okay. <laughs> that as well. Then that checks out, yeah. <laughs> uh, I remember that from Shakespeare's lesser-performed play, Macbeth II. <laughs> <laughs> Macbeth II... <laughs> Well, Hacking the system. If you can do Richard the whatever, then, you know, <laughs> Henry too. the what have you, then you can have Macbeth too. Macbeth yeah. too. Something wicked this way came. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, there's a general agreement that Goliath getting pulled into the ghost world by Hakan would probably be a bad thing. But Hakan does uh, show up and be like, hey, Goliath, if you come with me, then that's all I really want. And yes, uh, not mm. in a romantic way, in a <laughs> I will murder you way. That's a different fanfic. Yes. <laughs> Which I would also read? Hmm. Question mark? No, there's no. not enough death between the characters. Fair enough. Besides, Goliath's spoken for. That's my main problem, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, Goliath, like, like I was saying when I jumped the gun earlier in the fanfic, considers this for a character beat moment, and everyone talks him out of it. Everyone's like, no, Goliath is a stupid... Yeah, Goliath, don't do that. Yeah, first off, it's what, what Hakan wants, so it's bad. <laughs> and second of all, the Ghostbusters are like, no, it, we can totally keep him in our containment unit, and it'll be totally fine. And the Gargoyles are like, nothing escapes from the containment unit, and they're like, yeah, totally, nothing... Nothing ever, ever done that before escapes ever. from the containment unit. Yeah. It's fine. That, and a... even though I've never seen much Ghostbusters, I had the feeling that it has happened. Yes, like, well, there's the sharp elbow to Peter who's about to say something, or to yeah. Ray who's about to say something about that. Yeah, I, even yeah. in Extreme Ghostbusters, it was like, um, I, I think like a series finale type of thing, or like every, every few episodes kind of thing. Mm. Like oh, the yeah. concept of the containment unit breaking open is kind of horrific. So like, yeah. basically, they consider this to be a fail-safe that isn't actually secure, and they refuse to acknowledge that. Uh, yeah, the the one of the villains or antagonists in the first movie is the environmental guy being like, uh, this seems extremely unsafe, what you are doing. And they're like, oh, <laughs> you're a terrible person for suggesting that this extremely unsafe thing we're doing is unsafe. This experimental nuclear un- so, unregulated technology. The Ghostbusters <laughs> have some, I don't know, issues with... Uh, retention yes. of and storing of 
previous information in terms of like moving forward in the in a logical pattern. In a lot of ways, they're kind of emotional terrible. issues. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the only thing that can be said for them is that in universe, there doesn't seem to be any better options. I don't know. No, it's your best ghost option. It's not a good option, yes, but it's no. your best but ghost option. Just right. say that it is, you know, lockdown perfect, what it clearly is not. Suggests some sort of issue with perception of reality. I'm I mean, just saying. Really, the best option would be like a ghost re- rehabilitation program. Like they, I, they I taught think them some new skills. Yeah, how like, about launching ghosts in space? Yeah. <laughs> Or space ghosts, uh, yeah. Space ghosts. Space from ghost ghosts. to ghost. Yeah. For, forget my shit, space ghosts, yeah. Isn't yeah. that what space ghost is? A ghost rehabilitation program? <laughs> <laughs> He's got to live out there alone doing a talk show for only himself, trying to relearn. Anyway. Isn't that what we're doing pretty much? <laughs> oh, fuck. This might be the afterlife. This is the Dom, way. you shouldn't have made me realize the truth of my existence. I'm having an existential crisis. That's my bad. I keep on doing that to people. Making them realize the truth of their existence, and they never like it. They never like it. They get angry about it. Yeah. So, I don't like it. Would you like it? Yeah, but I'm weird, apparently. <laughs> Let's finish this up, because we've got a climactic fight sequence. Yes. And again, I'm going to complain about it, because it's still not very interesting. Like, the Ghostbusters are occupied with a bunch of small fry ghosts. What do they do? They bust the ghosts. I mean, they, they talked about it before. We're like, we have this plan. We'll bust the ghosts and you you guys fight. And so yeah. then during the fight, they bust the ghosts and the other guys fight. Yeah. And that's it. And then once the small ghosts are busted, they are able to bust a cone. Yeah. The end. Mm. That's, that's it. That's really how it goes down. Like, uh, wait, are we missing some details? There is nothing major. It pretty much they, goes down that way. Yeah, I guess you're right. There's some like, combat I'm, details. I mean, there's I'm like, summarizing. Pull but him like, into the containment unit. Oh, wait. But he gets in there. Oh, That's the oh, part okay. I'm thinking. We're right. not getting there yet. Well, we're not getting yeah. there quite. Yet. Okay. Just like with the main fight, yes. it's resolved pretty much how they planned for it to go down. And there's no big twist going on. And uh, Hakone is put into a small box and... You know, dumped into a container. See, that unit. was the strange part of those. Yeah. There was no Everyone... twist. I, I kept racking my brain, being like, "What was the twist? What was?" Oh no, there wasn't any. Which no, kind of gives you the worked. feeling that like any of the action, the drama, wasn't the point of the fic at all. Yes. No, it wasn't. And yes. and you get some character interactions on the way out. And again, the character voices are fairly well done. The character yeah. interactions are fairly well done. Yes. It's all pretty well done. And then yeah, the fanfic does leave us with a very interesting scene. Actually, yeah. Does somebody want to read that? You're the one with the copy of the fanfic in front of you, actually. I could just pass it. Yeah. That's true, too. <clears throat> Read it. So this is a... a no, no context. It just comes up. This was an odd place. It had no boundaries, no form. Clumps of earth, strange, deformed structures, maze-like rocks hovered in nothingness. There were other spirits, some still ranting and screaming about the vengeance that was rightfully theirs, others merely drifting as if they had long ago forgotten why they had never passed over. Hakon wandered, trying to find a way out. There was none. Strangely, he didn't care. For the first time in over a thousand years, it didn't seem to matter anymore. He vaguely recalled that he hated something called Goliath, but wasn't quite sure what to do about it. A surreal cluster of smooth, dark rock drifted by. One of the formations that jutted out from its surface looked like nothing more than a shapeless lump. Then, as the angle changed... Hakon thought the outcropping looked tantalizingly familiar, like a figure with a fierce, proud face and wings. The end. Now, (laughs) yeah, it's an evocative scene, and it made me think, like, wait, what am I supposed to be taking from this? When it goes into it, it sounds almost like a much more kind of positive spin on the yes. containment unit that you usually get in Ghostbusters. Well, where, it, like, it, there's a bit of no. a description where you get like, chunks of landscape, screaming, spirits, yeah. any monstrosity wandering around at the time. Yeah. But there's also this implication in this passage that like ghosts will let go of their hatred or like mm-hmm. their you know their trauma there given time or their identity or, apparently or given mm-hmm. given one instant apparently because Hakan is like already experiencing that. Very, very interesting. But then you get that last part where it's like, but he's, what, is he still haunted by this the hatred? The of that, yeah. Is the uh, ghost haunted and... Or, uh, uh, or I think an alternative reading is that this thing, being a reminder of the past, does drift by him, 
but it continues to drift by him and he lets it go. Mm. That the drifting is like a symbol for letting it go you rather could, than a symbol of being reminded. You could read it that way too because you don't get Hakan's reaction to exactly. that. Exactly. But then you also do get the sense of this drifting. And the thing is, is that this is an element from his past that has existed. And the idea of like drifting past someone is the idea of it moving, you know, maybe away from them. You know, something that has existed becoming non-existent in terms of like moving away from the person. Mm -hmm. I think that's a very valid reading as well. But it's like how much was Hakan drawn to this idea? Because they describe it as tantalizing. Uh, yeah, and then that's actually also a good point. So I think it could be read either way. And I think, you know, maybe there's temptation there, and maybe that is where the open reading is supposed to lie. Is like, will this be something to drift away from, or will it be something to be drawn back into? So it's a nice little, little um, another open-ended character moment. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, it's ambiguous and it's evocative, and it's actually like a really cool way to end the fanfic, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And... I you know I'll probably remember so that a lot more than I I clearly don't remember a lot of the details in the middle <laughs> I, of it. I, yeah, I agree with that too. <laughs> that wasn't that important. Really. It's, it's right. hard to come back to something after not having read it in a couple of weeks. I, I do think you know I lost a lot of the details, but it was interesting to like note for myself in this fan fiction what I retained. Yeah, I think I were agree. the really important pieces, and that ending was a really strong thing that was retained for me because it kind of broke the tone of the whole fic. Because yeah. at, at this um, point, we have read a few uh, a few fan fiction in s- relatively close succession. Mm-hmm. Yes. And after we step away from one, it's kind of interesting to note what still stays with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so in this fanfic, the Angela yeah. scene, the the last scene, and kind of just like the, the vibe of the two casts running into each other yes. and how that basic... like I think progression it was goes. all strong character moments yes. that yeah. stuck. The rest of it, plot-wise, I do think this fic fell flat in some ways with the plot. Yeah. Like, not not terribly, but it was very strong in character. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, let's back up a little bit. Um, traditionally, we see if there's anything else we want to complain about first before lavishing the rest of our praise oh, right. on the fanfic. Um, and we're in the end game here. I think there Is was the... um, one bit of construction thing I didn't like about it. What's that? Was It, it was a little bit confusing about who was being talked to at any given moment, mm. like in the structure yes. of, of the fic itself. Y'all don't remember? <laughs> I do. Like, um, there was a lot of back and forth, and... It was a bit ambiguous who was talking to. They uh, did the thing where, like, they would just break paragraph in between speakers, but when that goes on for a long period of time, it's easy to, like, lose track of the speaker. Yeah. In those so, scenes, they were trying to go for the vibe of, like, lots of kind of littler conversations going on, right? Right. It kind of felt like they were writing for a play, but when you mm-hmm. don't have speaker before a line and you're writing play dialogue, it's completely convoluted. Yeah. So I feel like they kind of... It's not that it was completely convoluted. I shouldn't say that. It wasn't that it was totally unreadable. It was just... It, it was, was easy to lose the reader at moments. It was written for, like, a visual medium or something. Right. At some, yeah. some point. Like, I feel like it could have read better in a play format, to be honest. Hmm. And I don't have anything new to complain about. I just thought the action scenes fell flat because mm-hmm. you can't do anything dynamic between physical beings and a ghost that they cannot touch. Yes. And you also need to do more of a twist if you're having Ghostbusters versus ghosts and you want yes. it to be interesting. Because otherwise, it's just, well, we shoot the ghosts with the proton packs, we put them in traps, yeah. that's that's what we do, we are Ghostbusters. But like, so, even in a, in a normal Goggles episode, there's always some sort of twist with right. yeah, yeah, yeah. one there. Yeah, right. and that, that really, and that's my complaint as well, but like, having had that been said, I actually think the author wrote character moments really well, mm-hmm. so like, my thing was like, yo, if your action's gonna be so kind of like, anticlimactic, why not? why not write more character moments? Like, I felt like they actually could have done something really great with the characters, because it seems like that's where their strength lay as a writer. I see what you mean. The The so. plotting the plotting gets them in and gets them out of what they want, which yeah. is the two casts interacting, but then they don't have quite as much of those two casts breathing with each other as yeah. you might expect totally. if that was your main goal. I see what you mean. And as well, because their action is kind of flat, it's like what what's the purpose, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the character moments are great, but there's not enough of them to justify it, I think. And what else... Is there anything we want to praise beyond the 
generally competent writing with actually strong like characterization of a fairly large cast. I, I believe we've already talked about my favorite moments, which mm-hmm. is the Angela piece and the Hakan piece at the end. Mm-hmm. The sort of weird makes you think. Remi- reminds me of a, a Gatsby sort of talking mm-hmm. weird ethereal dialogue. Yeah. <laughs> the and I already mentioned it, but I I just appreciate the geeky attention to continuity details that yeah. uh, that permeate the baseline of this fanfic. Which ultimately didn't matter so much. It know. really doesn't. But <laughs> you know, know they right? were satisfied to have it worked out in their head how yeah. all these little pieces fit together. And, and it that's something like, like yeah. if you're going to write yeah. something, you have to know what it is. It sounds yeah. like something aspects you don't show. I would have worried so much as a kid about like oh, let me do the perfect math to figure out like when this took place and then when this happened, you know? Right. Um, and I don't know if that, I think as a kid, you know, I was just like super, I'm always super math nerdy. Like if I can make things work out like continuity wise, that makes me so interested. Like what year did this happen? That happened. How old would these people yeah. be? Well, that like, satisfied that kid part of me that they did that. Like, they really did. Even as an adult, I still have a, like a specific continuity point I'd want to set the Legend of Korra role-playing game at. Yeah, <laughs> right. right. Like, I, right before for the last season, it'd be perfect. I have I have all those same geeky tendencies. Yeah, yeah. and so I, I so I recognize it and I appreciate it. Yeah. Like that structure, that like the detail in that structure and that attention is really satisfying. And who knows? Maybe it helped them with their confidence of characterizations to be like, okay, these are the gargoyles characters after the turf yeah. before Hunter's Moon. Okay, right. these are the Ghostbusters characters after another few years of just doing it. It's all very routine, like. You yeah, because with the gargoyle stuff, especially towards the end, there was a lot of stuff that would change how characters think about mm-hmm. things as it moved on, like relatively yeah. drastically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'll praise how much attention they paid to, like, yeah, where the characters were and where their relationships were. I wish they compounded more on it because I think they had a huge strength in that. And I know I already stated that, but I do think like it's an area that deserves a lot of praise is their attention to the characters, to the details of their lives to the details of the stories that have been laid out before them, like referencing those stories, and to developing a way in which characters from two very disparate series with very disparate tones and characters and plans of existence would actually interact with one another. I think that was done very well. Yeah. All right, then. I think we're about ready to close this out. Next week's fanfic is actually going to be our Kirk Spock uh, fanfic, which is This Deadly Innocence, that's right, by Leslie Fish. Um, vintage fanfiction, we should call it. I'm vintage so fanfic. <laughs> uh, what starts with a V? Vindication. Adventure. <laughs> vintage fanfic venture. Adventure. I think you can get away with that. Oh, adventure. Yeah, yeah. that would be the way to do it. Vintage fanfic adventure. Perfect. Yeah. Renaming the whole. Uh, program for next week. <laughs> the link to that one is going to be uh, bit.ly slash rfr innocence, and that'll take you there. And uh, Tori, you've started already, right? Oh, I finished it. Oh, you finished it. We, we, we haven't. Well, it, uh, you have a lot in store for you. Let me just say it heats up, baby. Oh, <laughs> it heats up. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Okay, it's hard for me to imagine anything involving Spock getting that Okay, heated, but you like... know what? It was very uncomfortable for me to read, and that's all I'm going to say, because Kirk <laughs> is not attractive. Just not... Okay. Anyway, moving on. I'm sure we'll get deeply into it next week. Yes, we will. As for this week, this was episode 10 of Retro Fanfic Retrospective, More Things in Heaven and Earth by Constance Cochran. Cochran? Cochran? You can find a link to it at bit.ly slash rfr heaven. The intro song for the podcast is The Weekly Fair off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album. You can find that album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. You can find our website at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com or bit.ly slash retrofanfic. If you have any questions, comments, or thoughts about the episode, please send us an email at retrofanficretrospective.com at gmail.com. I'm Amato. I'm Tori. I'm Dom. At nighttime, we are just three uh, members of the first race trying to be nice to each other, and during the day, we turn to stone. Which is some very crude statues. <laughs> yes. Just like a kind of blocky humanoid yeah. shape. Word Personally, I am literally just a cube. <laughs> <laughs> very abstract. Until next time, take care. Okay. We, we probably love you. Bye.
my best there. <laughs> mix, mix it up. Mix it up. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you're just not feeling that secure. You want to be opening, but if you leave yourself too open, you know, then you can get hurt. Yeah. Yeah. 